Hello and welcome to Glitch Keeper, a gaming podcast, and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. And as always, I'm Christian. And I'm Chris. And thank you guys so much for joining us again as we travel through the world of video games. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about some Game Boy games and the ones that we've played through that we were currently playing. Uh, and there was one title in specific that we didn't get to touch on too much, and that is Mother 3. So we're going to be talking about Mother 3 because we both have played through a little bit of it. There's still so much more for us to uncover with that game, but felt like it was a good time to start talking about it. Uh, and then we're going to be discussing some other Game Boy games that that might be standouts to us, something that we're playing now. I feel like we're on a real big like retro kick <laughs> and the Game Boy Advance era is just calling our name and we just keep you know going back to it because there's too many games now. And the fact that too now many. I have easy access to them on my phone <laughs> it makes it a little too easy to just pick these games up and start playing them. But anyway, before we dive into the other ones on the list, let's get back to Mother 3. So the franchise as a whole is super iconic and Mother 3 has a lot going on for it as far as the background as to how it was made and some of the issues that they might have run into during production. And a lot of people might not be familiar with this franchise and think that it just ends at Mother 2 because the third one was never officially released in America. It only had a Japanese release. There is a fan translation out that is extremely popular and that's what we're using to play it too. And it's great. The translation I think is fantastic. The writing is really, really good. It's clever, it's funny, it's depressing. It's every emotion all wrapped up in one. So if you guys get a chance to pick up Mother 3, the English translation, please do. Because this is a game that I really feel like more people should play. It is so deceptive in the delivery of it. Like at first you look at the graphics, everything seems very cutesy, fun, things like that, but it instantly punches you in the gut <laughs> and tries to get as many tears out of you as possible. And it continues to just kind of hit you over the head with these really big messages about society, about dealing with loss and all those things throughout the entirety of this game. It's pretty fantastic, actually. So the actual release of it was in 2006. It was originally started production in 1994 uh, for the Super Famicom, and then it was going to be transitioned into the N64, specifically the 64DD, for those of you who remember that little add-on there. Uh, but the development of this game spanned 12 years and it was developed for four different consoles across that time because it just kept getting pushed back for some reason. And then it got canceled in the year 2000. Go figure. <laughs> and then finally it was released, uh, officially released six years later. Uh, the The development of it got kickstarted or didn't, Kickstarted, not like the crowdsource Kickstarter, just saying it got started up again in 2003. And then three years later, the actual release of Mother 3 came out. And that's a lot <laughs> of time to go over this game and to 
I really am impressed too, especially with it being kind of like a Nintendo thing. Usually games, I feel like don't take uh, don't take that long or if they get canceled, they're just straight up canceled. They don't get revisited. But for some reason, I guess they really felt that Mother 3 needed to come out. And after playing a little bit of it, I can see why. It's a very powerful game, and I really wish that there was an initial American release for it too, because I feel like this game would have been incredibly popular and a lot more known than it is now. Like everybody knows Ness, I mean, especially thanks to Smash Brothers. And then when Lucas showed up to the fight, people didn't really know who he was, and there's not a lot of fanfare behind him. But after playing Mother 3, I actually prefer Lucas uh, a lot more, actually. I feel like his story is a lot stronger. And this is just in my opinion, because I've only played the for, uh, Mother 1 and 2, like, briefly. I haven't really, like, dived into it. But from, like, instant reactions of just the start of Mother 1 to the start of Mother 3, I, I'm a big proponent to the characters in this third one and we're not going to be getting into the spoilers as far as that goes we're just going to be touching on a couple brief uh, concepts and things that were delivered in the game some things that you can kind of expect to see but nothing is going to take away from the actual impact of some of the stuff that actually happens especially within the first 30 minutes of this title itself <laughs> it hits pretty hard right away which i was honestly pretty upset about that one i spoke to chris about this right as soon as i started it but the you get to pick your your character's names it's a family mother father two sons and the dog so of course i named the sons after my cats and the mother and father myself and my partner and then about 30 minutes into it something happened and i was like oh my god i wish i didn't do that <laughs> <laughs> what'd you name your dog uh, is that the, what you regret no yeah i named it sen uh sen means dream and that's a, another like sign name or like online presence name that i used for a long time so that was the oh. dog name. and it's it's so sad to dream no <laughs> it <laughs> was it was a tough tough one but uh, what's your experience with Mother 3 as you're playing through it now? I know you mentioned you're about on Chapter 3-ish. Uh, and yeah. I know that you've played uh, the other Mother games, or at least probably more than I have. So what's your take on this third installment in this series? Um, So a little bit with the, the franchise in general. Like I never played... Well, I did play a little bit of Earthbound Zero, but it was not enough for me to like comment on it i i played it after playing earthbound um for those that don't know earthbound zero is mother one uh it was only released on the nes in japan but uh it was over here on the wii u and it's also now on the nintendo switch online uh thingy and uh i tried playing it and after playing earthbound it just felt very plain and basic Mm. I mean, obviously, it's a whole console, like, it's a whole generation difference. You know, there's a lot. When you look at an RPG on the NES compared to the Super Nintendo, you see a, a big difference. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't get too far in that. And then I played Earthbound, loved it. Like, I, I don't want to say I'm one of those 
fanboys who think Earthbound is like the greatest RPG because there's a lot of people out there like that. Mm-hmm. But I think it is fantastic. I think when it comes to a modern day setting, it's probably one of my favorite. Uh, and I, I truly love that game. I beat it, enjoyed every second of it. And I always wanted to play Mother 3. Uh, I remember, oh God, back in the day, I feel like I feel like this was in high school or it was at some point when I was younger, uh, when the translation came out for the ROM. I remember downloading it because people were freaking out at the time. And this was like early internet days. Like I think not early, but like, you know, early aughts. Like when was it translated? Um, 2008. 2008, yeah. So I was just finishing high school, and I remember the translation sites, people were like, oh my god, like, this game is finally released. Like, oh my god, it's crazy. And I was a big fan of the GBA. I I grew up playing handhelds a lot, but the GBA was just, there's a special connection I have to it. And kind of knew this game existed back in the day because i saw scans for the 64 dd i remember there was some i think it was egm had an import scan of the dd and that was one of the games and i was like oh my god a 3d earthbound how cool is that Mm -hmm. um and then forgot it ever existed until i they translated mother 3 and i remember jumping on the hype train at the time Played it a little bit, didn't get that far. I didn't get the first major like emotional hit. So yeah, I didn't play that much, uh, for those who know. And over the years, I, I tried jumping back into it, but I just never did. You know, there's so many games out there. I'm like, eh, Mother 3, you know, it's there. It's not, it's not at the top of my list. Um, and flash forward to recently. I mean, I was like, I feel like I should play this game. So many people hold this game in such a high regard. And a lot of people are like, this is the most different thing Nintendo's ever done, all that kind of stuff. And it's interesting because I can really see what people say. Um, like like you said, I've only got up to chapter three, so I'm not super far into the game. I think there's like nine chapters, so not even halfway. Um, and I love this game. You know, you can, it's interesting how Earthbound was a jump from zero graphically and quality of life. And then this is kind of a jump from Earthbound, like Mm -hmm. not too much, you know, it still has the same style, but it's just, it plays differently. And I think in a way that I like, um, there's different changes and I like it. It's, you know, Earthbound to me, it, it was a childhood wonder. It, it was the perfect game for the time for all the kids getting into, you know, the Super Nintendo in the 90s. Like it was, to me, I think between Super Mario RPG and Earthbound, both are like the perfect beginner RPGs mm-hmm. for the youth. Right. And this game, it, 
it looks like it's made for kids, but there's a lot of dark stuff being brought up. A lot of things that would go over a kid's head. And I think that was a big reason why it didn't come out out here. Uh, Mm. Especially with some of the themes. You look at on the GBA, nothing really like it came out. You know, I mean, yeah, GTA apparently came out, which I didn't know until just now. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, if that came out, why didn't this? But I know Nintendo is very weird about their titles um and it's sad because i mean this game's great like it's it feels like an evolution over earthbound and compared to other rpgs on the handheld which by the way had a lot of good ones something about this game just feels comfy um it it's interesting because I'm like, oh, this kind of reminds me of another RPG, even though that RPG came out as like influenced by it. But uh, for people out there that are like not, don't have a good computer or anything like that, um, or don't know how to emulate or anything like that, I would definitely check out Lisa. It's another dark RPG that's somewhat similar to this, but I would definitely say Mother 3 has that childlike feel an existentialism mm-hmm. i don't know it's weird like i'm trying to think like how can you really describe this game because it's like chapter it's, one is like depression chapter two is like i guess you could almost say it's the series of um what is it the the, the stages events. of loss yeah oh, series yeah. of, <laughs> series of unfortunate events. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the stages of loss and there's a lot that they touch on in this game from like drugs, alcohol, uh, depression, death, suicide, gender fluidity. Like it's all in this game. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's all masked by that kind of like the, that typical earthbound style where it's kind of quirky, cutesy kitty style of game. And that's a big reason why we didn't get a, um, American release of this game because the people didn't know how to take it. And I think that's Mm -hmm. a big like cultural difference there. It's kind of like the same thing with manga and Japan manga is huge with everybody, children, adults, all of it, just kind of a common thing in life. But here, most people, whenever they see or think about manga, they think about kids reading comic books when that's not what it is. Like mangas can have extremely adult stories because they're made for adults. And I feel like this game does exactly that same thing where it kind of lives in that same vein where it's a very adult situation being masked by something simple to absorb. So I don't know. It, it is, it is tough. It, it's a, it's a lot to deal with, but the visuals I think are fantastic. It's, it looks great for a Game Boy Advance game as well. Super bright. The pixel art is insane. Uh, and like just looking at the scenery, the trees and stuff like that, it's so well done. Uh, this is, would be a perfect game for pixel artists to study, to figure out how to get really good, compelling characters, how to get raw motion, how to get movement and make good scenery, stuff like that. So I think this would be a great game to check out. And actually there is a fan made release, like a tribute of some scenes from Mother 3 done in a claymation art style uh it's kind of like that 
I say claymation, but uh, they use that term for uh, the Link's Awakening remake. So it's kind of done in that same style, and it looks fantastic. <laughs> I would actually love to see that. But the fact that it's inspired people to recreate these scenes like that in a new updated version to show people what it could look like uh, is actually really, really cool. So I don't know. It, there's there's a lot to say about this game. And what's amazing, I think, or what I think the most amazing thing to th take away from Mother 3 is that neither one of us have beaten it. And neither one of us are very far into this game. And yet we already feel so strongly about this game. So I think that really does say a lot for the story, the amount of work that was put in, and just how powerful of a title that Mother 3 actually is. It has a lot to say. And it definitely deserves to be played and checked out by everybody. It's it. interesting, too. Like, there was uh, an update to the patch uh, last year for the uh, 15th anniversary. They uh, did some changes to the translation, uh, fixed it over. Mm -hmm. uh, someone went over the translation, kind of made it almost entire. Like this tra the translation is almost entirely like to a T. Mm -hmm. It's one of the few translations out there that is like a hundred percent. Um, and it's interesting. I'm looking at like the patch notes because they also patched the game. And I'm just looking at like, oh, my God, there's a lot of fixes, like interesting fixes, you know, and it just shows that people out there really love this game. Mm -hmm. And it's weird. Oh, I guess it's not weird. It, it makes sense. And I'm like, why did they release the first two Earthbound games on Nintendo Switch Online? But. They don't have a GBA emulator on there yet, which is mm -hmm. weird. You know, I'm kind of sitting there like, you know, that's coming next after the N64. Oh, it has and to. And I'm just wondering if they're going to do Mother 3. You know, I, I mean, I would think so. I just, I'm surprised Nintendo hasn't thought about re releasing it. They would make a lot of money. Well, it's weird uh, that they haven't with the fact that Lucas is in Smash Brothers. Like, he's a character that isn't that well-known, but is in one of their most popular franchises. So how can they actually ignore Mother 3? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. And another thing, too, I want to bring up is the music. Oh, yeah. Music is so good. Like, there's so many games on the GBA that surprisingly have a really good soundtrack and sound great. But this game is just, it, it has the jazzy sounds that Earthbound had, but man, some of these other songs that play, like even just in the first three chapters, it's just like, wow, this is, this is good. Yeah. Like it's, really good. It, the soundtrack blew me away. And then whenever you get to the combat system of it actually being kind of a rhythm game as well. Like, it just makes sense of why the music's so good, has such a good steady beat throughout, and then you can make combat a little bit easier if you can get the rhythm right. I can't on the emulator. What's your highest combo? Uh, like, five. <laughs> Fuck, I can yeah. only do three. Like, I got really, really lucky once, but I keep getting threes if I ever get a combo. But that's apparently that's an issue with the emulator and virtual buttons. 
so if you ever get a chance to actually play it with a controller, apparently it's a lot easier to accomplish the combos. There's some other tricks that you can do with it too. Like if you put your enemy to sleep, you actually are able to hear their heartbeat and it becomes a part of the music that's playing in the background and you can, you know, hit the beat to their heartbeat. Uh, it becomes a lot more loud and prominent, so you're able to follow that rhythm a lot easier. Uh, so oh, it's pretty cool. And I mean, in the second chapter, you get the ability to put enemies to sleep. So you kind of get that a little early to help you out with that aspect because they really ramp up the difficulty quite fast, actually. If, you, if you're not paying attention, this game can get incredibly hard. Uh, and I think that's another thing that might have stirred people away from the title because uh, it can be it can be pretty brutal but it does have some nice mechanics in it as well that i think are important to touch on because it's not a very commonplace mechanic and i think this in particular probably should be integrated some more into other games because it adds a level of excitement to turn-based combat that i don't really see very often and it's the fact that the health ticks down as you're performing mm -hmm. actions. So let's say you get hit for a an attack that would actually kill you. Instead of it just, you know, watching your health tick down to zero, it allows you to continue making choices as your health is ticking down, which means that party members can heal you, which is really cool. Or you can even take out the enemy before dying get through all the dialogue as fast as possible and still have HP to continue playing instead of getting that game over. So it's a really, it is really cool. It does make you like spam a button whenever you win the fight. It's like, okay, yeah, 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 cool. I got that. I got experience. I got that. I picked up an item. Hurry up quick, quick, quick. I'm dying. <laughs> so it is kind of funny and it keeps adding that tension to something as simple as reading how much experience and what loot you might've picked up from that enemy. So it is really clever and it, it at least gives you that kind of a little bit of a safety net for how difficult it is. If it didn't have that, I think you would get KO'd by every enemy almost instantly. Like it would just be unnecessarily brutal. It already is and can be a very brutal game, but I think that would just make it. I feel impossible. like I'm getting my ass kicked the small things. Like you were yeah. telling me about the Mecha Dragon or whatever. Oh, Drago, yeah. And like, it wasn't too hard after using that dragon fang or drag fang, but dude, some of the smaller mobs like in the castle was just like kicking my butt. That freaking like, tombstone. The first time I ran into the tombstone. Oh, for me, it was uh, that strawberry slime in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. That shit kicked my ass. Yeah, there's some weird stuff in this game. And the enemy design is super funny and interesting. The naming conventions for the enemies are really funny too. But there's it's there's a lot to this title that is just fantastic. And I wish that they brought more of this into other styles. I mean, we saw it with Eastward. And actually, after playing through all of Eastward and then playing Mother 3, you can see so many connections between those two games. And we talked about Eastward a lot. We had a whole episode dedicated to that. It's a fantastic game and even down to the save the save points like for instance in mother three the save points are frogs that whenever you talk to them they of course you can save your game but they always give you a little bit of 
like advice, like just advice on how to live, how to deal with things, or even just like little things like, oh, you know, life can get tough sometimes, right? Like little pick-me-ups here and there. And then playing Eastward when you go to the fridges and they give you like these deep philosophical ideas before saving your game. It's like, what is this? But it it's a nice little homage to titles like Mother 3. And it's a nice touch. So it is really well done. And one thing I found interesting, and I know they've been working on this game since 2008, but um, there was this fan-made Mother 4 um, that's been going around for more than a decade. And uh, recently they had to change their name to Oddity. Mm. And if you look at this game, it looks just like Earthbound. Like, to a T. Like, you would think it really is Mother 4. It's insane. Um, I I was falling when I first heard about it. I was kind of curious, so I looked it up to see if anything new. And nothing really new. They released a trailer, which looks fantastic. But I'm curious how that's going to go. You know, once it comes out. I, I mean, obviously got people like, make... Like a cease and desist or something, because there you plan on doing something with the mother franchise. Yeah. It it's just interesting. You know, it shows that people love the franchise, but you know, Nintendo is just a stickler about stuff. And I don't know if we'll ever see another Earthbound or Mother game. I I hope we do. I really do hope we do. Because I'm I'm starting to really, really fall in love with the franchise and makes me want to complete this game and then go back and play the other ones. And I think that's the great thing about these titles, too, is because they are, I mean, they're older RPGs, they're not that long. So, like, Mother 4, you could theoretically beat it in, like, 25 hours. That's not that bad, especially when mm-hmm. compared to RPGs nowadays where it's, like, 300-plus hours and you're just not really getting anywhere with it. But it is nice to actually be able to fully beat a game and to have that much emotion and story packed into such a tight time frame, I think is really amazing, actually. Like, it really blows me away that they're able to accomplish that. So that's really, really cool. And I think that's what I'm just really enjoying about these GBA games <laughs> that we're playing in general. Uh, there's so many out there right now that we keep talking about bringing up and going like, oh, yeah, I want to play that one. We're going to check that one out. And I actually just uh, started playing another game that I've been wanting to play for a long time, uh, and that's the Legend of Zelda Minish Cap. So Minish Cap is actually surprisingly really, really good. Uh, it's really short as well. You can beat it within like 20 hours. But and it's one of the shortest Zelda games probably going to play for a while. But it's surprisingly good. The art style is great. The combat's really interesting. The weapons are fantastic. Like it's everything you want from a Zelda game in a nice little bite-sized package, which is just great. It's it's super super fun. But have you played, checked out, seen anything from Minish Cap? So it was always the one I never touched, and not. Not because I I didn't like it. Like, I always was interested in it when I found out about it. But <laughs> for me, the 
handheld Zelda games, I only played the Game Boy ones, so like um, Oracle of Seasons and Ages, and then I kind of played the Spirit Tracks, Mm -hmm. and then it wasn't until uh, Parallel World or whatever, so I skipped a lot of it. And for some reason, I just never really thought about Minish Cap. Whenever people brought it up, I just thought they were talking about Phantom Hourglass. Mm. Um, but I mean, it makes sense because it's the little bird on his cap. So I, I kind of, I've seen people talk about it. Um, never played it though, but I've always kind of wanted to. I don't know. It, it seems interesting. I know a lot of people say it's like a very traditional zelda i guess you could say yeah i would definitely say that i mean it has the top down movements that you would get from a traditional zelda there's some really cool um action elements and new abilities that you acquire within the game itself uh, like the ability to duplicate yourself based on certain squares that you stand on if you charge your blade all the way then you can move to a different square duplicate your character and do simultaneous actions or move a big box if you need to push it with, you know, extra strength than just one. So it has some like really cool abilities thrown in, which I also think were, uh, what was it? The, the four seasons one, like the four blades or whatever. Like oh, four swords, four swords. I feel like that ability in Minish Cap kind of inspired four swords. So, hmm. It's a it's a really cool idea, but I, I do really enjoy the story. Uh, it's kind of like what if Zelda was in the world of the Borrowers, right? So Borrowers is a old movie where it's just a bunch of little tiny critters or people living in your walls, right? All their furniture is made out of like buttons and discarded trash and stuff like that. And it's basically that, like the world of the Minish are little tiny people that live in our walls and our attics in the woods and the minish are the ones who actually made the master sword or the sword of light to Hmm. dispel the big evil Uh, they're the ones who gave the sword to the people of hyrule to accomplish that task and so in the opening scenes of the game you see the master sword and it gets destroyed so you're you're spending the game trying to fix the blade by working with the minish to gather the elements to bestow it with the power of light once again so of course you know fetch quests it's kind of the same stuff with zelda where you're getting triforce pieces but this time instead of triforce pieces you're gathering elements to then bestow power onto the blade itself and then also zelda turned to stone so you have to break that curse too <laughs> but it's it's a really interesting and really well thought out uh game like the dungeons are really creative uh you do have to backtrack a lot but you know that's zelda is what it is the map is really tiny and as you're going there's a lot of things that unlock for you too which is pretty cool uh there's also things that are called uh, kinstone pieces so you can make like a kinship with someone and you can do it with any characters Hmm. out there uh, so if you happen to have a kinstone piece, you have one half. And then whenever you activate the scene with a with a random NPC, uh, they want they say, oh, you want to make a kinstone together. Let's see if we're a match. And they'll hold up their half of the piece and you have to find the right color and basically like break 
mark, right? It's like a puzzle piece that you stick together. And if you happen to have the right one, then it could unlock a random chest in an area on the map. It can open up a wall that was previously guarded. It can unlock certain events for you to potentially even get the mirror shield. Uh, so there's a lot of little things like that, which I thought were really cool that were hidden in a deceptively small game. Because it's, like I said, it's not that long to beat it if you just go through it. And when you think Game Boy games with the handheld and the small screens and all that, like you don't think a really immersive, expansive experience. And this game does the opposite of that. It actually gives you a full-fledged Zelda experience in a pocket bite-sized format, which is fantastic. Uh, music's great. Audio is fantastic. Uh, art style is great. The writing is really funny, really interesting. The dialogue with the actual cap itself is um, it's someone that got cursed and you're trying to help them break their curse too. But the cap helps you along the way by guiding you uh, to these locations and helps you out a little bit too. Actually, you can use it as like a glider. So if you jump off into like a little cyclone, the hat pops up like a little parachute and link holds onto the sides and you get to like float around. So that's kind of cool to have in there as well. So there, it's a lot more involved than I had originally anticipated. And I think that's kind of why I stayed away from it. I always played Zelda games that were console driven, like actual like game console, not handhelds. And I'm really appreciating these bite-sized formats because I didn't realize how much they really pumped into these games. It's kind of insane. And I think that's why we keep coming back to these Game Boy games is because they are deceptive. There's so much more in these titles than meets the eye. They're, they are smaller, shorter games, but damn, did they put a lot into them. So it is a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun playing through Minish. So I'm excited to see how much longer it takes. I'm about halfway through right now. Uh, about to go into the like basically third or fourth dungeon. So it's yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And definitely one I recommend to check out. Especially if you want to travel down this Game Boy kick that we're doing too. Yeah, I might have to check that out. Mm, sounds actually really awesome. Uh for me, back in the day, um, I feel like when I think of the GBA, I always thought strategy RPGs mm -hmm. or just strategy games in general, right? Like a lot of time was devoted in the tactics ogre. I think it's Knights of Lotus or one of those games. And for me, like Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. Like, there's so many good strategy games on the handheld. It's ridiculous. I loved it. I, I bought every one of them. I've honestly, most of my GBA collection were strategy games, or they were like oddball platformers, like Mario games, or like some like random title that I can't even think of now. <laughs> but uh, out of all of them, the one that kind of still sticks in there as hmm with story isn't as good as like tactics ogre but more fun probably the advanced war series mm -hmm. uh when i found out they were going to bring it to the switch i was stoked because it'd just be nice to play like a modern like a little cleaned up version of those games on a console i mean 
yeah, I could just play them, you know, on my computer right now, but something about having on a switch is kind of nice. Um, cause I haven't jumped on that realm of putting the GBA on my phone like you, but, <laughs> um, I love advanced wars, man. Like those games are just good. Like it, it felt, I don't want to say it felt more like a puzzle game, but it just, it kind of did compared to like, fire emblem and all those other ones it just felt like you were doing a puzzle and it it was i loved it i spent so much time like I, to this day i can still visually remember most of the maps at least from the first game because it's oh, just wow. like i replayed that game so much i loved it it was weird how much i was into it i remember going to eb back in the day and getting it and just being totally sucked into it and i'm trying to think now like why did i get into that but and during that time i was very much into those kind of games um i think my first strategy game was final fantasy tactics mm -hmm. and after that i just started falling in love with any of those kind of games you know, second game I ever strategy was Tactics Ogre. I remember going to uh, Circuit City and buying that. Um, and I would just play all of them. But Advanced Wars is the one that still to this day is stuck in my mind, like very clearly. And even the sequels were good. You know, it, it added different things. Um, I love that, you know, aside from just moving your units, you had your superpower, which really helped and it was cool you know i mean i'm gonna wonder if they're ever gonna release this switch port because i know they did it because of the war but i mean are they gonna wait till the war is over yeah they can't you wait know long, it, right it's like at this point like you might as well just drop it because it's been long enough since it started at least in my opinion that it won't seem that insensitive you know i mean think about it all these other war games are coming out that i feel are more realistic yeah it's just you Nintendo know you look at really doesn't like to ruffle feathers like at all yeah and it's <sighs> i'm like i hate nintendo because they do that where they like port these games to the switch and they charge full price and i'm just sitting there like just put the gba on nintendo switch online yeah. like there's so many good games that they could do it you know they bet you they would probably throw it under the paid tier well i guess the expansion tier is what they call it you know they would probably throw it on there it's just fine by me i don't have the expansion but i mean at that point i might i'd probably be willing to do it yeah i would pick um, it up I mean, those Mario Kart tracks are just bonkers. It's like, what, 80 tracks you get? It's nuts. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, like, yeah. I don't know. For me, like, Nintendo has such a huge catalog. And, I mean, their handhelds have always usually been hits. You know, I'm not counting the Virtual Boy, because, I mean, that's kind of... <laughs> Who really owned one out here? But yeah. you look at all their others, and they've almost always been successes. 
I feel like I've owned all of them at one point in my life, except for a virtual boy. I wasn't cool enough. I remember seeing them at Blockbuster and no one ever rented them out. I always saw the box and I always wanted to. And I remember my mom was like, I don't think you're going to like it. It looks really like, like she looked at like the images of what they would look like. And she's like, there's no color. It's just red. And I'm like, mm. my little young brain didn't like comprehend it. And I was like, I still want it. Yeah. But uh, kind of glad we didn't because I don't know. It, it seems like something you would probably play around with for an hour and then you would get totally sick of it. Yeah. But, you know, to me, gaming's always been special. And there's a few consoles, handheld platforms that are very special to me. Uh, PlayStation is number one, like the first one. Uh, and the GBA is right there. Like it's, it's up on that list. Like it's, I still actually know my old one broke. I remember it falling out of the car. Um, but I have my wife's, you know, I'll rock a pink GBA. I don't mm -hmm. care. Yeah. I wish it was a GBA SP, you know, <laughs> get that backlight going on. Yeah. But, um, have the nice little click. Mm -hmm. It's seeing what people mod it too. Like, Oh my God, I want to mod my GBA, like get that backlight going, get a custom shell. Like it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Like you look at those old, game boys and what people mod it nowadays with and you're like damn like i want to do that but um i love the gba i could just keep going on i could talk about pokemon i could talk about you know mario game. i could talk about so much on this thing but uh one thing i want to bring up real quick when it was basically discovered like two three days ago was uh there was an unreleased dune game that was supposed to be on the gba uh 20 years ago and it, it got released on steam two days ago under a different name i is it ilhan uh, Il, yeah ellen ellen yeah. ellen the generous um yeah it's <laughs> it's a, a weird game. name it's weird yeah <laughs> oh god <laughs> Dancing in the desert. Yeah. Um, and it's looks like Dune, just you know, GBA. Mm -hmm. Um the game was canceled back then, and they decided to release it now, you know, because you put all the time and effort into something, might as well try to make a quick buck from it. Yeah. Um, charging 15 bucks, which you know, hey, if you put a lot of work into it, shoot your shot. But I don't know, 15 bucks for a GBA game is kind of, in my opinion, pushing it. But it it looks fine. It looks very GBA-ish. You know, I'm not saying it's like one of the groundbreaking GBA games the way in uh, graphics, but it's, it's interesting. You know, Dune's big again. And if this creates enough buzz and people are interested in it, why not? But, um... Yeah, it's it's really weird. It makes me really wonder, you know, in with games in general, like games that were canceled decades ago. What if people just decided to release them now? Yeah, like where are those games? Where are those files, right? Because you know there's tons out yeah. there in existence. 
there has to be. There just has to be. Like, this game didn't just pop up after 20 years. Like, somebody's been sitting on this game for 20 years and just yeah, waiting exactly. for, like, permission to put it out. And the fact that they yeah. had to change the name, sure, that's fine. It's still the same game. We yeah. know what it is. It's a Dune game. I think the title screen still says Dune, but it's listed as a different game. So, which is kind of silly and dumb. But it's, yeah, it's amazing to, to think like that. That 20 years later, this console still has so much love that people are still willing to put things out and they want to continue playing these things i mean when you look at emulators people are still emulating these classic games because they want to be able to play them you try and buy a cartridge right now and good luck like they're insanely expensive for most of them so it's it, yeah we need a different alternative like we need to have the gba on the switch just like they have the n64 the nes just just give it to us right <laughs> and stop just giving us like 10 titles at a time because <laughs> that's annoying too but i like you said i think that would definitely come behind like a pay tier and a lot of people i think they would be very surprised at how many people would actually want to play these games and be willing to pay that stuff so i don't know we we talk a lot now about the Game Boy games is there's the library is massive there's so much to this this console this little handheld so much power so much creativity so many fan-made projects and so many games that are coming out now that have been inspired by games from here like even looking at advanced wars like yeah we're getting a remake but look at wargroove it is a beat for beat advanced wars game and it's fantastic like chucklefish loves to pay homage to classic games that were on mm -hmm. this console because they're good they're timeless and i think that's what we are just trying to really bring up here when we keep bringing up game boy advance this is the second episode we've done this <laughs> and not that long of time too but like these titles are timeless 100 percent and they deserve to be played and just admired, appreciated, studied, researched, copied, emulated, all of it, just to get it into as many hands as possible. But yeah, with that, I think that's gonna do it with, for us this week. Thank you guys so much for listening in, and we will talk to you next week with some more games. But until then, bye for now.